You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. I'm Dr. Laura Mock, the life coach for busy dentists. This podcast explores how to feel better in all aspects of our lives so that we can be our best leaders. If you have been feeling stressed about being the owner of your practice and you want to change what you are getting at work and in your personal life, you are in the right place. Well, hello there to all my listeners. This is Dr. Laura Mock speaking again today, and I am talking to you from a hotel room in my own hometown. (laughs) Oh my gosh, could 2020 get any weirder? I'm not really sure it could. I am quarantining away from my husband, who is also not sick. I am not sick, and neither is my husband, but he was exposed approximately a week ago to COVID, And I can't risk not being able to go to work. So I haven't seen him since Monday. And I'm just here at one of the Marriott's in town. I just finished an all-day seminar on how to improve my practice. And then I remembered that my podcast was due. (laughs) Everything's all screwed up because I haven't been home. And everything's kind of weird. So anyway, you guys are going to get fresh, real, raw Dr. Laura today. And I am going to do my best to bring you something that is worthwhile to listen to, okay? So what I'm going to speak to you today about is things that I wish I knew 13 years ago when I bought my dental practice. Oh my gosh, I've learned so many things. I bet you have too. But after 13 years, I just feel like I'm at that wise old lady stage now where I can um, sit around and make you guys listen to some of the mistakes that I've made over the years. And maybe I can help you have a better life because you can learn from my mistakes instead of making them yourself. All right, you guys ready for these? Number one, I did not have a vision. I didn't even really know what a vision was when I bought my practice. And I know I've told you guys this before, I was pretty sure that the way you succeeded in owning a dental practice was to just make sure that nobody was mad at me. (laughs) And the reason that that makes me laugh is because everybody has a different agenda. The hygienist over here has one agenda. The hygienist on the other side of the hall has another. Your patient A has one agenda. Patient B has another. And here I am as a dentist sort of being the person in the center of it all thinking that the way I succeed is by not making any of them mad? No, that is just a way to get really, really tired really fast and then start dreaming of selling your practice to a DSO, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about having a vision. When you have a vision, you have stated who you are and who you serve to yourself and to your employees, and you've said it to, some people put it out for their patients, some people don't. Um, When I worked with the Blatchfords, they were the ones who helped me create a vision, and I have tweaked it several times over the years, and I just thought I'd read you my vision. And then in addition to my vision, I also have something now called the Hiring Manifesto, which I will also read to you, and it's basically a description of who would like working at my practice. So here is my vision. We are well-educated dental professionals who deliver amazing oral health care by listening, and then in parentheses I have, to our patients and to each other, and by learning 
and then parentheses again, from the latest science in dentistry, in order to create trust, psychological safety, and comfort for our patients. So I'm, I made that my vision most recently because I have made it my brand that I listen to my patients. And also because I, as a leader, one of the first things that I do if there is a problem is I close my mouth and hear what people have to say. And I have found that active listening has been one of the best skills that's made me the most money over the years, both in terms of uh, patient treatment plan acceptance and also in retention of my employees. So I, I think, I hope they all know that my door is open and I will listen to them. So that is my vision. Now, notice I did not say in there that just because I listen to people, I'm going to bend over backwards for them. In fact, since I use science and my desire to keep my patients comfortable, I have certain standards of care that I stick to, and um, the science helps me know. Like when someone says, well, I don't want this perio cleaning. I want my free cleaning. It's easy for me to say, well, that doesn't fit my vision. I'm trying to give you the very best care using science, and it would be inappropriate of me to have you get an the cleaning that doesn't serve your needs. So that's kind of like when you have a well-defined vision, it makes it way, way easier to make decisions about your practice when things come up. Now I'm going to read you my hiring manifesto. So I think this one's kind of nice. I learned how to do this last year and it's great for helping the current team and also future team members understand how we do things. So you will love working here if you like a day filled with a variety of tasks, all surrounding taking good care of our people. Successful Marion Dental team members value supporting each other through cross-training, an attitude of collaboration rather than competition, and a problem-solving, work-hard-play-hard attitude. Members of this team enjoy being compensated for working hard and staying busy. So you can tell from reading that, that I expect my employees to be can-do people, to help each other, to expect to be well-paid because they produce so much. And that's what we do at Marion Dental. It's a very nice way to put it. And um, it helps me in my practice make decisions on hiring matters and also matters of um, human resources. So that is the vision. If you do not have a vision, I encourage you to sit down and ask yourself what you do. Who are you? Who do you serve? Because it will help you in the future. Okay, the next one is, I wish that I would have known that being clear is worth so much. Now let me explain to you what I mean by being clear. As dentists, we own practices, businesses where we are the main technician and the entrepreneur. And that makes it tricky for our employees because we're trying to hurry up and tell them what we, what they need to do so that we can hurry up and go back to what we're supposed to be doing to earn the dollars. We don't think about the fact that being a leader, a good leader, a clear leader also helps us earn because we're so focused on making enough tooth dust for the day that we can get to the bottom line for that day. What was our production today? What was our collection today? But in order for all of that tooth dust to continue to be made, in order for us to be continuing to collect what we want, 
we need to be very clear with our team what we want. And I will tell you that 99% of the time, as dentists, we are not as clear as we need to be. So we need to tell them exactly what we expect from them. And then we need to say how we're going to measure success. And we actually need to do the measurement of that success. And that's because if we don't measure it, then the employees think that that's not very important to us. We have to actually come back around um, and say, how did that go? What was your result? That type of thing. And I will tell you that I, and I learned this term from Chris Plackey, who is a, um, a leadership coach that I have learned quite a bit from. She says that as female business owners, we abdicate our thrones. Do you guys remember learning that team or that term in like probably history or social studies? It means someone has power, but they're not using it. They've walked away from their throne. And what we do is we hire an office manager and then we go, well, I don't know, just take care of it. Or um, we just let it happen. Um, you know, we're not asking the financial coordinator, hey, have you done the aging reports lately? Are there any denied insurance claims we should resubmit? Who still owes us money because their insurance didn't cost us or pay as much as we thought they would? This kind of thing, this follow-up that we need to do is taking our power and being on the throne. If you abdicate the throne, then basically what's going to happen is your practice is going to be a boat without a rudder. So it's going to get pushed by different powers. So one might be what the patients want and another might be what the insurance companies want from you. And the third might be what the employees want. And so there's one is the tide and one is the wind and one is the waves. And it's pushing this boat around that actually is your boat. And if you lead it well, all those entities will be better off. Well, maybe not the insurance companies. <laughs> They're going to be fine either way, though. We don't need to worry about their well-being. But for our patients and for our employees and even ourselves, because we count too, if we are in charge of our boat, ladies, then it's going to go where we want it to go, to its destination. And I will point out to you that doing this, taking back your power, takes time. And you need to make time to do it which feels counterintuitive when you just want to hurry up and do the next filling or the next crown or whatever. And then you want to hurry home to your, your babies or your dog or whatever. But if we take the time to make sure our boat is going in the correct direction, we will make more money. Okay. And we'll be happier with our lives and our practices. Here's another one that I really wish I would have known 13 years ago when I bought my practice. Back then, I just wanted to be busy. I wanted to be busy because then it felt like I was doing something and I was making money at that time. But what happened is, over the years, over the course of about a decade, I accidentally grew a Delta Dental behemoth practice. And that was because of several things. One was I was really trying to be my very best dentist and I was trying to create a practice that was so awesome. So of course, the Delta Dental patients who were around, I was accepting their insurance and it's a great practice to go to so they could get their discounted dental care in my practice and it would feel upper crust. And <laughs> that was a mistake I made. And by mistake, what I mean is 
why did I let my practice become 90% Delta Dental? Well, maybe not 90, definitely 80. Not, not really why, but how. How did I do that? I was available and I was in a superior practice and I didn't say no. So they just kept on coming. I always look back at that time and I go, what if I had said back in 2012, I've got all the Delta Dental patients that I need. I'm not accepting new Delta Dental patients. And it would have left so much more space in my practice for people who were paying me my full fee instead of the discounted fee and more discounted fee and more and the more the bigger it got, the harder I've had to work in order to make the same amount of money because my compensation from Delta Dental has at best stayed the same and at worst has gone down for this, these procedures that I've been doing and now I've been doing it for 13 years. I'm way better than I was 13 years ago and my expenses are much higher. So I did that to myself and I'm working on on correcting it. But if you are newer in your in your practice, consider who am I giving this discount to? And how many people are coming wanting this discount? Because the more people I collect who want the discount, the harder I have to work. Alright, that's that was number three. I have three more. We're halfway through. Maybe a little bit more than halfway through. This one will actually probably go really fast. So this is number four. I want you to write this in your bones. At least half of being profitable is about managing your cost, not increasing your production. Okay, so if you have a lot of expenses and you're not bringing home what you want, yes, you can cut more crowns. Yes, you can sell more Invisalign. But what are you paying for that you don't actually need? And please, 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 if you're thinking about adding a new service where you need to buy an expensive piece of equipment, please look at the ROI of purchasing that equipment before you sign the dotted line. Because sometimes bread and butter dentistry, where you, you're keeping your expenses low, is actually the most profitable thing to do. And everybody has to decide this on their own. So only you will know where that level is going to be, but I'll tell you, a lot of dental practices could operate with fewer employees and with fewer pieces of fancy equipment. So just keep that in mind as you're making your plans. And on that line, I would add that we focus so much on getting new patients, but it's just as important to retain the patients you already have. And retention of your existing patients, a lot of times, is cheaper than finding those new patients. So when you're thinking about your marketing, don't forget your existing patients. How can you treat them so that they feel special and so that they are trusting you and accepting the treatment you recommend so that you don't have to keep on paying for Google ads or flyers or things like that? Okie dokie. So I've shifted your mind on a couple of things in that arena. Number five, taking time to make systems makes you more profitable. Taking time to reduce chaos requires that you stop treating patients sometimes 
send them all home and take a good look at your systems. Where are the inefficiencies? Where are we introducing chaos? Where are we not being consistent in our message? If you take the time to do these things, you will be more profitable. But it takes time and you have to set it aside. You cannot do that sort of thing in between your patients. It just doesn't work. You're not focused on it. You don't have the, the to-do list. There's, you know, there's always these moments when I have a, a failed patient and I'm like, well, what did I mean to take care of this month? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go check on Facebook or something. And you know it's only a half an hour, so whatever. So don't depend on taking care of your systems in between patients. You need to set aside time to do that. Okay, we are at the last one. You know, I always end up talking about being a leader in your practice, and this is no different. I had no idea when I bought my practice how challenging it was going to be to be an employer. And every year I learn more about what that means. And this last thing has to do with being an employer and more specifically about your kind of your quintessential personality of a dental employee. So we're talking about assistants, hygienists, and front desk. There is a certain type of person who is attracted to our industry and they're wonderful and I'm grateful for them. I could not be where I am or who I am without these usually ladies, but not always ladies, sometimes it's men. But there's something that I've learned over the years, and this is through my study of coaching and from Dr. Christopher Phelps, who's taught me a lot about personalities in the dental office. Most dental employees, if you want to initiate a change, they need to know why and they need to know how before they are on board with a change. So for me, I have a kind of personality where I just jump into the next thing and the next thing. Um, it's a very typical entrepreneur personality and actually most dentists do not have my personality. But what happens when I try to initiate change is I go, oh yeah, we're going to do it this way now. And I get eight pairs of eyes staring back at me going, what? But we were doing it this way. Why are we changing? And over the last year, I have learned that when I am going to initiate change, I need to think about the fact that most dental employees need to know the why and the how before they can get behind me. And they need to have some ownership in the change. They need to be able to understand and agree with the why. And I might add that it's very helpful when you're initiating change to ask the employees, how do you feel about this? And when do you think we can get started on this change? Because then they can have a chance to speak their concerns and you can answer them. You can talk about solutions together. If you do that sort of thing where you're including them in problem solving, they will feel helpful and appreciated and everybody will be so much happier. So that is what I have for you guys. I just want to remind you that we have a Facebook group we've started for listeners of the podcast. And I have changed the name of the Facebook group 
to Love Your Practice. So you can look for it on there. Or if you cannot find the Facebook group, just friend me, Laura Mock, on Facebook. You don't have to stay friends with me after you're in the group. But just send me a friend request. Any female dentist who wants to friend me on Facebook, obviously I'm going to accept because y'all are my people. And then um, I will add you to the group. It's called Love Your Practice. So I will look for you on there. Um, we do have contests on there, and we're having a good time. So I've been doing some giveaways last year. Not last year, last week. Somebody won $850 worth of 3M products. So if that sounds like your type of thing, make sure to find me on there, and I will see you on the other side. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. If you find this podcast helpful and want more, I would love to see you over in my listener support group in Facebook. It's a free and growing group of female dental practice owners who want a supportive place to ask questions and be inspired. To find us, search in Facebook groups for the Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists listener support group. Or you can just friend me on Facebook. I'm Laura Mock, like Mock Speed. I can't wait to see you in there.